For some folks, punk rock is more than a genre. It's their way of life. For the past 20 years, that calling to make music, do things yourself, and connect with the community has been heard by today's guest, Freeman Martin. As a singer in a number of bands and as a tattoo artist, Freeman has left his mark on a lot of things in Richmond. But also, he's a collector of these things. So I was excited to get to talk with him about making music, culture, and life, which threw him a curveball three years ago, to which he took that punk attitude and overcame. This is Various Things, and I'm your host, Gary Lama. Now let's talk with Freeman Martin. When did you start playing music? I've always loved music, like from when I was like a little, little kid, almost like obsessively. So, but I'm not a very good musician. I could probably, for a long time, I assumed that my involvement in music was going to be from an appreciator standpoint, you know? Enter punk rock, you know, and you're like, wait a minute, any any <laughs> idiot can do this, right? And uh, and that kind of was how that started, you know. And like a lot of kids do, like I got, you know, I got a, a guitar when I was in high school, and like I figured out how to play bar chords, and like I'm not a good guitar player, and but that at least I figured out enough that I could become a not good bass player, but I was not good enough that I, at least people would let me play in, the, in bands with them, you know? <laughs> right. And I think that actually got me over, like, playing in bands, like, playing bass in a, in a band got me to the point where I was comfortable enough on stage to be like, you know, I could probably talk into a microphone, you know, this doesn't seem like it's that hard. And so I guess, yeah, like, when I was in high school, I kind of dabbled with some, uh, you know, like, garage punk bands. Um, and then when I moved to Richmond, which I moved to Richmond in 96 at the time and all the people that were around, it was like, it was an awesome place to like become part of a community that was so embracing as far as, um, dummies having ideas as like the, mm-hmm. they could be in a band or whatever, you know, it was awesome. Like there was, there was never any, you can't do that. It was just like, fuck yeah, give it a shot. You know, why not? It wasn't long that I was here before. I started a band with some some guys. Oh, was that Landmark? Like, was, no, that was before Landmark. It was a band called Cancel. We we didn't we weren't around long, but like it was very screamy hardcore, which was uh, very much uh, in vogue at the time. You know, I met you like in DC, like right before you moved down here, and um, I didn't know about that band, but the the one I got to really see you a bunch of times with was Landmark. Um, yeah, that was like when I, cause I had been part of the straight edge scene, uh, but, but that was like my first foray into kind of like, that was a, you know, it was a specifically straight edge, uh, right band, which, you know, I was not meant to be straight edge forever, <laughs> so, but, but that was, but that was, but that was a really fun band to be in. It was really, really awesome. It was some really awesome guys who I'm still friends with, you know? Yeah, well, I know a lot. It meant a lot to a lot of people. Um, and uh, you guys played a decent amount of shows. Um, I remember. Yeah, we played a pretty good amount with me in the band. And I ended up leaving the band, but they went on to do some pretty awesome stuff after I left. Was that for well. straight edge reasons? 
No, not at all, actually. That actually oh, really? was, um, we started Wheelbyte while Landmark was still a band, and I was still in Landmark. Uh, okay. And then it was just, um, honestly, what it was, I was having so much fun playing in Wheelbyte that I just and didn't have enough time between two bands in school to do everything. So, gotcha. Uh, yeah. it was just, I guess I was just having more fun playing in Wheel Bites, so I just left the other band. And then I did uh, end up, you know, breaking edge, but it had that had they were unrelated. You know, I was st- I was still straight edge when I left Landmark. So I just um, I wasn't straight edge long after I left Landmark. I guess maybe I made it a year or something. But so Wheel Bite, that was more like thrashy, like. Well, it's, it's, it was weird. I guess, like, in retrospect, I, like, the way I came into, like, punk and tattooing and is, is really kind of, like, cliched. Like, it all is, like, how so many kids talk about it. It was like, well, it was, like, skateboarding and punk rock. And, like, like yeah, that's pretty much exactly what happened with me. I was really into skating, really into punk rock and really into tattoos and saw, like, all the normal punk rock yeah. stuff for that time, I guess. Same but, yeah, like, so dating <laughs> was also, like, again, another, on a long list of things that I love but was not good at, uh, right. was skateboarding. So, um, but, yeah, like, uh, it was uh, just another passion of mine that, like, found its way into getting into the music because it was pretty centered on skateboarding to some degree. But how long was that band around for? I guess the original incarnation was 1998 to 2003. And how many releases did you guys put out? Uh, just two. We put out okay. a demo, and then we put out the, uh, the seven inch. But both of those, we really felt like you got your money's worth on those because I think they both had like, you know, at least eleven songs on or something like that. <laughs> I worked with you on one band a few years after that. Um, is that about the time that you got into – that would have been about the time you started tattooing, right? Well, like, tattooing started while I was still in Wheelbyte. Uh-huh. And that, like – when I started tattooing, obviously, that started taking up a lot more of my time. And um, I decided that, you know – I guess I didn't really decide to. It just it takes a lot of you know focus and a lot of energy to pursue that, and I was happy doing that. So I kind of music went on the back burner for a minute. And but yeah, then through tattooing, I I ended up working with Brandon, who had been in Mayday, mm-hmm. and um, and I still work with Brandon today. Like we're still you know super tight. But it was uh, I met him and. When I met him, I didn't even know he had been in Mayday, and I loved Mayday. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, and I found that out, and then we were working in the shop together, and I was like, oh, well, I like this, and, you know, this music, and he, we were both liked a lot of the same stuff, and I was like, we should, you know, we should mess around and see, like, what we can come up with, and that's, and then, so, yeah, we had that project for a little while, but, again, that was almost, like, two hardcore kids, you know, you know in the tattoo shop, and which is cool, you know, another weird just kind of connection of how that all that stuff works out. And then after that, I took a really long break. Uh, and then you did Freeman. Maybe how the fuck 
you got the satiate line of avail. <laughs> and your band named after you. <laughs> this is, it, believe it or not, it had zero to do with me. Like, I was... It seems like a scheme I would have concocted and be like, I'm going to see if I can get this to happen. Uh, right. And I and I think to a degree there are people out there that think it was me and like, which is a bummer, you know, like I, like my note in like the avail history is going to be that like I somehow tried to like, you know, let me put it this way. Nobody would ever want to see avail play again more than me. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like I love avail. Every once in a while on, on Instagram, you put up, like, some crazy fucking avail shit. See, that was, like, a – that was a, a – not only do I did I have, like – and still have, like, a pretty crazy amount of weird avail stuff that I've just hung on to over the years. Because avail is my favorite band ever. And uh, I became privy to, so, like, like the, like, the vaults at, you know, mm-hmm. Joe's house of, like – and he has such, like, a weird kind of, like, laid-back attitude about, like, oh, I was just, you know, going through this closet today, and I found this, and it'll be, you know, whatever. But it, it's, and it's, you know, stuff where I'm like, holy shit, like, you know, it's just stuff I lose my mind about. And, like, and he's like, oh, yeah, I was going to throw it away. And I was like, well, good thing I'm here then, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take it home, you know, like, that kind of thing. So, That's so awesome. but, yeah, like, so... But it had nothing to do with me. It, it really didn't. I was at my house one day, and Joe called me, and he was, I guess, at his house, which was, you know, the Avail house, mm-hmm. and he was there with Eric and Chuck, and they had all been, like, you know, I guess messing around, writing some stuff or whatever, just jamming, and they were like, we should call Freeman and see if he wants to sing, and I think it really was, like, a joke to them, like, haha, wouldn't it be funny if we called Freeman or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, so they called me, and Joe was like, so we uh, decided we're going to do this band, and um, you're going to sing for it, and it's going to be called Freeman. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, okay, whatever, dudes, like, leave me alone, you know? Right. Like, I, I've got shit to do or whatever. I got to, you know, I can't. You're hilarious. Whatever you guys should play together though, you know whatever. And he's like, no, I'm being dead serious. And I was like, okay. And then he was like, but you have to get here within an hour, uh, and uh, and talk to us about it, and we will give you the contract. And I was just like, what are you even talking about, you know? And then, but anyway, so I had to go over. To, long story short, I went over to to, to Joe's house, and they were all there, and it was, they were doing all this stuff to be kind of to be, like, to make a joke out of it and be jerks, but they really had, like, a handwritten contract written out uh-huh. that I still have somewhere, and it's really funny. It's like, it's like everyone in the band gets a vote, you know, except you or something like that, you know. My, my vote counts twice. Your vote counts as half a vote, like, that kind of thing, like, breakdowns of, like, how everything was going to work in a very, like, it was a, not a real contract in any you know, stretch of the right. imagination. It was just, it was just a funny thing that they did, and it was very funny. And at this point, I was still just like, I, like, what is going on? Like, are, do you guys like want to jam, or like, are you just fucking with me? Like, I didn't understand really, you know. Mm-hmm. 
But I guess they decided that it would be fun for the three of them enjoyed jamming or whatever and playing together again enough that they wanted to do it in a semi-regular way. Um, and they needed somebody to, you know, sing or whatever. And I guess they just, I guess they all got along with me enough that they thought that that would work fine. And it did. So whatever. It was fun. How was that, uh, experience getting it was fucking crazy man like it was like i don't know like how else to really describe like you love this band so much and then like three of the dudes call you and ask you to be in a band where you know stylistically the music that they're playing is the same as it was in like it's kind of a veil-y sounding stuff with a veil guys, and you know, then you get mm-hmm. to sing on it, and it was crazy. It was awesome. It was super fun, and like, it was bizarre, but it was really cool. I'm, I'm super stoked I had that opportunity, and you know, and it was like there was always like crazy stuff. I mean, because they know they all knew that I was like a veil nerd, and they were into it. I guess that like the like Joe would always, you know, he'd be like well, if you if we try this song that we're working on and you don't fuck it up, we'll, we'll play this Avail song and you, you can sing it during practice, you know? Um, and, like, yeah. that's, that's crazy weird stuff, you know? That was super fun. And, like, like, I don't know, not a lot of, like, kids, like, that grow up listening to records think they're going to have an opportunity to do something like that, to, like, be in the practice room with, like, the guys that wrote satiate in Dixie and like sing one of those songs you know yeah that's a, that's a like 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 even with them in a practice room it was like it was very surreal and awesome you know and it didn't happen a lot but every once in a while if I was behaving they would let me and then also like the the stuff that they played me like the the stuff that would you know become like the stream and stuff it's, it's so weird to like talk about that and have to like say my own name you know <laughs> It yeah, sounds like they just did this to make you feel uncomfortable as shit. Like they were gonna call you. That was they admitted <laughs> it. They were like, "Yeah, we it's gonna suck for you, and it's gonna be really uncomfortable, and it's gonna be hilarious for us, and really uncomfortable for you." And it was like, whatever. I guess to do this, I guess that's what I have to deal with. But whatever, it was worth it. But but yeah, but the stuff that was that, that they wrote was incredible. And then it was like pretty early on in the process because we would you know like do little like the like four track or whatever recordings of that stuff and and every once in a while Joe would give me like you know like a cool like backhanded compliment like oh see you know we started this whole thing I didn't realize you know you were actually going to be able to sing a little you know and we were like oh shit like I can't fuck this up now you know mm-hmm. but and then like even beyond that going into it like towards like the process that would end up being that record like the to the point where I was actually bringing like you know, didn't happen a lot, but there were parts where I would, you know, like have vocal lines written and lyrics written and be like, well, what if we tried this? And, you know, there were times where we were like, oh, yeah, sure, that works. And I was like, doesn't sound like much, but to me it was like, holy shit, this is something I That's did made yeah. it onto the record with these guys, you know? Right. Now, I definitely, I, I, I definitely, I can imagine how you're feeling. What did y'all put out with that band? We did an album that was, it was only released on CD uh, on a label called Failsafe that 
I think folded. I think we may have put that label out of business. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, I don't think it exists anymore. But right. Uh, but yeah, if you if you look enough hard enough, I'm sure you can probably find it. I know it was on iTunes. I don't. I don't know. Really? Did they take stuff off iTunes after a while? I don't know. How proud of that record were you? I'm super proud of it. Like it was. It was a awesome. It's an. It's an awesome document of an awesome experience that I had, you know, and I I think the songs are really good. That whole, like, it's just a reminder to me, like, of how awesome that whole experience was because it was a crazy learning experience for me to get to play with those guys, you know, because they're all exceptional musicians and awesome guys, you know. Mm-hmm. It was so much fun, and, 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 and to a degree, it gave me, like, a lot more confidence as, I guess, as a singer and... um I'm not a musician by any means, by any stretch of the the word, you know, but like but they gave me confidence, a lot more confidence in that arena to like to think that m- maybe my ideas aren't all complete garbage, you know what I mean? Like right, right. It gave me a, it gave me a lot more confidence going into what I'm doing now after all the other stuff that happened to me that like I felt confident enough to like to go for it, you know what I mean? And I don't think that would have happened pre that whole experience with those guys so it was awesome yeah it, it was amazing. just really like special thing to be a part of you know the, the other thing that i remember about that record is that they were selling as benefit uh for you after you had some problems with your uh, uh liver um you want to explain what happened or i personally was a mess at the time after that uh just personally, like, uh, nothing to do with anything music-related or anything else, really, just me being, uh, you know, just not having my shit together. And uh, I had always been a fan of the drink, you know, uh, mm-hmm. after after I got past the straight-edge days. And it had gotten to the point where I was drinking to excess just all the time, like, and getting into, like, uh, just really unhealthy stuff. And so, yeah, I ended up having some fairly severe medical issues related to that. And um, so, yeah, so there were a bunch of, like, benefits around town um, because I was hospitalized for a while and to help with my medical bills and stuff, which was awesome. And, like, Joe and the guys from the band – did a lot with that with the record you know i think they had like a gofundme kind of thing where like if you donated x amount um they would send you you you, you know you would get the download and then if you you could get the album or the cd also if you wanted that kind of thing and they were really great about uh putting the, all that together and then like um bobby from vinyl conflict dj tonight um like a benefit kind of thing at Strange Matter, like, and, uh, there, uh, Tony from Iron Reagan, they did a benefit show with, um, with War on Women and stuff that, there was a bunch of stuff that happened that I'm very grateful for all of them for doing all that stuff because, uh, it was, because, you know, like a lot of other people in similar positions to me, I didn't have any health, any health insurance, so it was, I would have been super fucked beyond more than, I was. Uh, you don't want me asking. How much were the the bills? 
Um, I'm just trying to remember exactly how much. Well, a lot of it actually, uh, the hospital kind of, uh, well, they didn't take care of it, but like they, there's a, there's a program within the hospital for uninsured people that if you meet certain criteria financially, um, and stuff that they, it's like, uh, I don't know. Was it VCC? The no, it was, uh, St. Mary's. No, because I know MCV has a, a program called VCC, which is uh, where they have. Yeah, it was, it, it was. It's almost like insurance, but it's not. It's only at the hospital, and if you qualify. No, it was all through St. Mary's. So it was. Okay. Um, I don't know what the program was called. I probably should, but I they they also helped me out a ton, so I didn't have to deal with a lot of the stuff. But it, it you know obviously it goes into the tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars. It, it was wow. way more money than I had. Um, yeah, and uh, but they, I don't know. I don't know how it really works, but they said that I qualified for it. And basically, at that point, and when I was going through like uh, the process of recovering after I got out of the hospital, because I couldn't do very much, because it kind of I was physically in not great shape. So uh, I just kind of you know was like, what? I wonder what kind of like aid I could apply for, you know, whatever within the hospital, you know, without or uh, outside of it or whatever, and. You know, if you do that stuff, then, you know, sometimes it actually pays off, and it did because it was, you know, a lot of it ended up getting taken care of just because uh, I did meet certain requirements for it. So if you end up in a wacky, uh, fucked-up medical situation, kids, <laughs> apply for all the financial assistance you can because it might work. Yeah, and you won't know unless you apply. Um, but also, kids don't first try to drink yourself to death for 15 years because that'll save you the whole situation. It'll save you from my situation. <laughs> right. I remember when you got out of that and I was scared for you because it's, it's hard. It's one thing to combat alcoholism, but it's another thing to combat it when it, it, it took that heavy because you had like some very hard consequences like they they straight up told you like your liver is shot like if you yeah like, if was, you were to relapse it, was, it wouldn't have been a good yeah it was, good thing it was at all. heavy it was it was definitely i mean it was you know it was, to to say it was life or death was not would not be putting it lightly and yeah. luckily i kind of came out on the other end of it okay but so uh how were you able yeah, to do that it, uh I mean, honestly, like, like, a lot of it really was, I mean, if I'm going to be brutally honest, it, I, mm -hmm. like, when I was in the hospital to begin with, it was, and this kind of gives you a glimpse of, into my mindset at the time, uh, and I don't mean this in, like, a depressing, like, woe is me kind of way of, like, you know, I was so sad or depressed about anything, you know, at the time, which, I mean, I certainly was in retrospect, but, like, it wasn't like that, you know? It was just, I just didn't give a fuck about anything, really. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, I mean, I, I mean, I guess it's hard, a hard thing to explain. It's a hard thing for somebody to understand. It just was to the point where... Helpless? I mean, yeah, but it wasn't like it wasn't like I was like looking for like a sign of hope or anything, or I was looking for. I was just, I just didn't care. I was just, I felt like I had 
done some cool stuff, and if I got to do more cool stuff, that would be cool. If I didn't, I didn't really give a shit. And I know that's, like, a really fucked up perspective to have, and I'm not trying to rationalize it. I'm just trying to explain where my head was at. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I also realize now that, like, just the type of person I am, um, I need to be constantly uh, almost, like, engaged in something that, like, uh, like I'm trying to achieve something, you know what I mean? Or, like, build something or or a book, you know, like, I need to read the book. I need to get to the end, you know. I need, then I need to figure mm-hmm. out what that book's about, you know, or whatever. And I just was at a point where I didn't feel like I was learning anything anymore. Really, you know, I had much to offer anybody or was getting anything but it was because I wasn't looking and I wasn't trying because I didn't yeah I just didn't I just didn't really care anymore and it was like it was a sad place to be but it was I mean it was really unhealthy and I was drinking like in a way that you'll hear people talk about like alcoholics do this and alcoholics do that and sure you hear stuff like that and you're like yeah I guess that is a trait of an alcoholic or what we commonly be described as an alcoholic but I think all of that's perspective too you know what I mean like mm-hmm. like there are people that can do things that are that could commonly be described as alcoholic behavior that are probably fine you know right. and there are people that you know it's, it's you can do anything too much you know it's like yeah, I guess it's about but what I was abs- or how you're doing it. Right, it, it, and I just was absolutely drinking in a way that wasn't helping the situation. Like, but yeah, I was definitely a severe alcoholic. But um, and and so coming out of that, you were able to stay on that path and get well, your head back. Yeah, I guess that's that why I kind of I don't know. I got I got kind of sidetracked by I guess talking about like that how. How, like, how, like, the, the how I came out the other end of it is, was really, uh, I, a lot of it had to do with, um, realizing how many people were flipping out about me being in the hospital, and that was, like, a shitty feeling to me. I was, I felt awful about that, you know, like, lots of my friends and, like, tons of people were coming to the hospital to see me and stuff, and I felt terrible about it, you know, like, I felt like I was bothering them, you know what I mean? And, like, mm-hmm. and so then I kind of felt like, in, uh, like, that, like, to a degree, I owed it to people to at least try to get better. That would be the least I could do, you know what I mean? And my mom, putting my mom through the whole thing was awful, and, uh, I felt like I would be doing my mom a disservice if I just, like, croaked and like wasn't there for her anymore you know what I mean mm-hmm. but the main thing that really got to me because I'm just this much of a dick was like the doctors kept coming in and being like uh all right so you need to stop drinking like seriously like don't do it anymore and I'd be like yeah 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 I, I heard you you know and they'd be like no like you need to stop drinking and I but it happened so many times and honestly like for like when I was first in the hospital I would like, it's all I could think about. Like, I was just like, man, I can't wait to get out of here. The first thing I'm going to do is walk down the street to the nearest bar. I'm going to get a beer and a shot and chill for a minute, you know, and try to put my head around this whole situation. Like, that's how, like, crazy I was. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like that's how twisted up my head was at the time. It was like that I literally thought that that was an acceptable reaction to that situation, to, like, 
if I didn't leave in a in a body bag, that I would leave and go to a bar. Like that was okay, you know what I mean? But they kept the doctors kept like you can't drink, can't drink, whatever. And like it got so irritating to me. And I'm that much of kind of an asshole anyway. I was just like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm not gonna drink because clearly all of you think that I will. And so that's really how it, the sobriety thing started. I was just only, I wasn't really doing it because I necessarily wanted to, you know, stay clean. I just didn't want to. I wanted to prove all of them wrong because they thought wow. that I couldn't. <laughs> you know, like well, it's a hard thing to do. I mean, a lot of people try and fail. Yeah, I mean, and I, and not to say that it's not something I think about. Like, I, sure, it's like, a, you know, it would be nice to, you know, I guess. I mean, I don't really think about it that way that much anymore, but I've kind of trained myself not to, to a degree, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, it, it's, um, I did, it, it was, it's really hard for me to describe, and it's hard when I talk to, like, people that have gone through the same thing and gone through uh, addiction issues where I try to describe how I, you know, thus far have dealt with and overcome, like, mine. It was just, like, it really was for me, like, once I made that decision not mm-hmm. to drink anymore, it was, like, all right, this is what I do now, you know? It's, like, I'm, I'm a non-drinker now, you know what I mean? It's not a part of my life anymore, you know? It, and honestly, it was as easy as that not to say it's easy in a sense of like there aren't times when I have an urge to do something or something like that it was just but I know that like I don't know I just was able to change my perspective on it and it would go going from being like I do that all the time to being like I don't do that anymore and I think that that's just me that's how I need to handle it you know like yeah and before you ended up in the hospital, did, did you know that it had gotten that bad? Did you know that you were that close to it uh, being, like, a life-threatening yeah. issue? I mean, I think I did. Like, I mean, no, I definitely did. Because, like, one of the things that, like, this might sound, you know, totally nuts to somebody who maybe hasn't been to, through it. Uh, I mean, it's it's kind of nuts to me now to think about it. Just like, but like, I was familiar enough with what alcohol does to the human body to know that the, as much as I was drinking, that I would suffer some sort of withdrawal, probably a very severe withdrawal, if I just tried to stop. You know, mm-hmm. um, and for people that aren't familiar with it, like. Withdrawing from alcohol is uh, can have deadly consequences, you know? The DTs, um, right? Yeah, DTs will kill you. And, I mean, you know, a lot of people, you know, DTs can be, like, the shakes and stuff like that. But other people, like, once you get to the point where your body depends on it, it you know, it can, it can kill you to go without it, you know? Mm. I knew that that was probably going to be an issue, and... I knew that I should stop, and I did, and I wanted to, but the other thing was, was I didn't want to ask anybody for help, and I also knew that it was probably going to manifest itself in a way where I was going to need some sort of help from a doctor, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, to, to kind of manage the medical side of it, 
and I didn't have right. insurance. And, and I mean, maybe these are all excuses, uh, but it was enough for me to be like, uh, I'm just not going to worry about it, you know, kind mm-hmm. of thing. But at the same time, I was drinking so much for, you know, the reasons I was drinking that much that I wasn't, you know, it was like, it wasn't, it wasn't a hard, like, internal argument to lose, you know? Like, when I was like, I should stop. I should try to figure this out. I should, you know. And, you know, once you start going through the details of, like, what it actually would take logistically to to get some sort of help, it was easy to talk myself out of it. And a big thing about it was, for me at the time, was, like, I, I was like, I don't want people to, like, know that I need this help, you know? Like, it was kind of embarrassing to me, like, that I let myself get so, like, out of control to the degree that I had. Like, I didn't want people to know that. Um, so I was like, well, I won't say anything, so nobody will know anything, and I'll just keep doing what I'm doing, and maybe I'll try to, like, wean myself off or whatever, you know? Whatever idea right. I had that I was clearly never going to do anyway. But the the whole other side of it was like, well, I didn't do any of that. I ended up, you know, in the hospital dying, and uh, then everybody knew. So what did that get me? You know what I mean? Right. So I guess the moral of the, if, if you find a moral of the story in that, if, if you know you need help, to just tell somebody you need help. Just go, you know, don't worry about the cost of it. Don't worry about what people are going to think or how embarrassed you're going to be or whatever, because it's better that you're alive. And, you know, whatever. Like, uh, you're going to have to talk about it for the rest of your life anyway. <laughs> and apparently there's programs at hospitals that will help you financially. That's true. I mean, don't quote me on the details, but because uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know think them, they quote themselves on the details. <laughs> I think I think they try to keep it kind of low key. Um, I, I but, guess it uh, helps if you if you're if you're really nice to the nurses and uh, you know and make lots of funny jokes. They will like that. I can attest to that much. All right. And Good when you and there. when you leave the hospital give all the flowers and all the stuff that people have delivered to you, give mm-hmm. them all, give it all to the nurses. At the very least, the nurses will like you. So you got yourself through that, and you, uh, I guess, was about a year or so later, uh, you started working on Park Sparrows, which is what you're doing now. Um, how did that come about? Um, all right, so when I got out of the hospital, I went and stayed with my mom for about seven months because mm-hmm. physically I was, you know, in pretty rough shape. You know, I, I couldn't really, like, when you fuck up your liver to the point that I did, like, it takes a lot out of you. Like, I was, like, I couldn't really walk very well. I didn't have a lot of energy. Like, it was hard for me to move around. It was, like, physically, it left me pretty drained. So I spent a lot of time, like, on the couch and, uh, you know, you know me, like, I've always been a big dude, you know, and, like, and, like I was, like, for me, like, really skinny. I didn't look good. Like, I, I didn't, you know, it was, I was, I looked really sick, you know? Mm-hmm. So I needed some time to just recover and, like, try to put some weight on and get back on my feet. And also I was, you know, doing the rehab thing and uh, all that. Uh, 
anyway, in the meantime, I just I had a lot of time. Like I was out in the northern neck of Virginia, like right on the Rappahannock River, and I had a lot of downtime to just kind of sit there and write and, you know, think about like, ugh, like, look at this mess you've gotten yourself into kind of situation, you know what I mean? And uh, now I was like, what do I do now? Like, how am I going to get myself out of it? You know, what's next kind of thing? And part of that was I was listening to a lot of music and I was, you know, I was like, you know, one day I was like, it'd be cool to start another band. But, you know, if I do it, I kind of want it to be like the band I've always wanted to do. Like, I feel like I've got some things to say now, maybe a little bit. And I started writing and like, like I even got to the point where I was like, I didn't have a guitar or anything there, but I was actually like writing songs like in my head, you know, like writing vocal lines and stuff. Oh, and wow. yeah, and uh, and I I very briefly played in a band in Richmond with some of the guys the uh, that well with David from who's in Park Sparrows now. And uh, when I came back, um, we were hanging out, you know, just reconnecting because he hadn't seen me in a while. I was like, yeah, you know, I I kind of have some stuff sort of loosely written. Like, would you kind of want to like sit down and kind of help me try to flesh it out and like. He was like, yeah, you know, maybe, whatever, we can come over to the house one day and we'll mess around. And that's what we did. And, like, it, we played a couple songs and it was pretty cool. Like, it, we both thought, like, I think kind of immediately, like, oh, there's, there's something kind of here, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, um, and, I mean, I had talked to you before I had moved back about, like, about wanting to do something. And, uh, you know, like, so it was on my, it was on my, it was on my mind for sure. So then, like, when that first day after I hung out with David and we wrote a little bit, I was like, okay, yeah, like, I want to do a band again. Like, And also, like, I came out of that whole situation being, like, very full throttle into everything. Like, I was like, you know, I fucked up really bad, like, and I got a second chance almost to kind of, like, to not fuck up. So uh, right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for it with everything, you know what I mean? And so, like, as soon as I got back, it was like I wanted to paint all the time. I wanted to tattoo all the time, and I wanted to write music all the time. And I wanted, but I wanted to do it all to like the fullest extent I could, and like just kind of like leave it all on the table. You know what I mean? And that's what I started doing. And luckily enough, like the guys that um, you know ended up playing with me, like are you know, kind of cool enough to deal with me and my weirdness. So <laughs> it turned out pretty, 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 pretty cool, I guess. And so now you're doing all that stuff. You're, you're, uh, you're back tattooing. Um, uh, you're back, uh, playing music and, uh, that's a yeah. pretty good place to be compared to where you were. Um, yeah, it's, it's, and, it's weird. Like I hit my three year sober mark the other day and I was just like wow. looking back to like three years ago. Cause like literally the last drink I took before I went to the hospital was the last drink I had. Um, and wow. I was just like looking, thinking, thinking about that. And I was like comparing my life then to my life now. And it's only been three years is like, crazy and it's like kind of one of those things where it's like you know what it's okay to be you know proud of myself a little bit about this you know so definitely you did something that a lot of people can't 
a lot of people. It was actually a lot of people don't. It was actually really cool. Like the other day, I got a message from Taylor from Four Walls. It was like out of nowhere, completely unexpected. It was just like, dude, you're killing it. I'm so proud of you. Keep doing it, like everything you're doing. And it was like, you know, like it made it, it made me stoked in a way where it was like, not that I was like he's right, but it was like. You know, not like, good job, me, I'm doing so well or whatever, but it made me stoked. <laughs> right. Like, I'm glad I decided to take these steps because Taylor from fucking Four Walls is, like, guy I respect and really look up to. And, you know, like, if I didn't, if I hadn't have done it, I wouldn't get sweet messages like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. It, it's definitely something that um, I think you should be proud of because, it, it you know, it's, it's, it's a product of your work. You know, you definitely could have not done it um, and ended up in a really bad place. But, um, yeah, I'm it's, glad. It's weird, man. You, you, I mean, I'm glad, too, and I'm stoked on everything now. And it's, like, it's, it's weird when you think about, like, that, like, with even, like, getting a message like that from Taylor. Like, you realize that, like, comparatively to how things were before, like, that, like, I guess, like, in a lot of ways, I'm just kind of, like, a collector of things, like, whether it be, like, records or T-shirts or tattoos or whatever or, you know, like, shows I've been to. And, like, and I always used to say, like, before, like, like whatever, like, I'm just, like, my life is based on experience, you know, like, having the most fun I can and having, like, you know, I had this really kind of, like, selfish, nihilistic narcissistic view of like why I did way of rationalizing everything I did was like whatever like I just want to have fun like life is short you know like I'm just gonna do what I want and drink as much as I want and enjoy everything while I'm here and like have all these experiences you know like I'm just gonna like live life which it sounds great and it seems like such a you know cool grandiose plan but when you think about shit like that and you think about it that way, all you end up doing is just drinking all the time and experiencing, like, the inside of bars and not actually ever doing anything really that cool. And now, since I quit drinking, now I actually am collecting all these, like, really cool experiences and stories and, like, you know, traveling and getting to see cool things and, you know, guys like Taylor hitting me up out of the blue to tell me that they're proud of me and stuff. It's like, like, that's, like super fun, you know, like, yeah, you, I realized like in retrospect that I wasn't doing shit before as much as I thought I was and wanted to think that I was like having this like crazy bohemian drunk fucking like do what I want kind of life that I really was just not doing anything and, you know, kind of taking the easy way up. So, well, I think that's a great thing to end on there. Um, do you have any advice for uh, folks that maybe want to try um, starting a new chapter of their life, whether it be stopping something that they think is fucking it up or um, just starting a band or, or something like that? As far as, like, doing things that are productive that you're unsure of, I'd say yeah, like, fuck it, why not try it, <laughs> you know, it might be fun, right. it might fail miserably, you know, but, you know, you, you're never going to know unless you give it a shot, I've certainly failed at 
more things than I've succeeded at, and uh, I would say that I'm probably a better person for having at least given it a shot. Hell Other yeah. than that, I would say if if you know you're thinking about giving it, uh, you know, sobriety and stuff like that, a shot, then, um, yeah, I think it's absolutely at least the way I look at things now. I'm very happy that uh, I decided to reevaluate things or was forced to reevaluate things, but I'm glad it happened because I'm better for it and. You know, it's just, uh, I don't know, you know, that's, I mean, I'm not going to be one of those dudes that's like saying like, yeah, you, you, you need to do this or you need to do that because it's, if you're not ready to do it, it's not going to work. And, um, like I said, yeah, I, yeah. I was ready and just keep in mind that hopefully, uh, your being ready doesn't come too late, you know? Well, thank you so much for talking with me, man. My pleasure, Gary. Thank you for listening. This has been Various Things. I'd like to thank Freeman for taking time out to talk with me. Freeman can be found tattooing at Saunders Tattoo, and you can hear his latest band, Park Sparrows, at parksparrows.bandcamp.com. For more shows like this, visit variouspodcast.com. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher as well. Thanks for listening.